0: You're listening to the Hey Legal Podcast. CPD, when you want, where you want. CPD for modern lawyers. This free Hey Legal Podcast is brought to you with the support of Caseload from DeNovo Business Intelligence, the only whole practice management software built for modern Scottish law firms. DeNovo have successfully provided hundreds of law firms with smart business software solutions that boost the bottom line improve efficiency and maintain law society compliance for more than 30 years You can find and connect with the DeNovo team on Twitter LinkedIn and Facebook On this episode of the Hey Legal podcast Donald Finlay is in
1: conversation with Ali Thompson of Hey Legal Donald chats about his interest with the Peter Manuel trial. Yes, I've had a, not an obsession, but uh, I've had an interest that has stuck with me for a a long, long time. The whole thing about it, the court, um, this man charged with so many crimes, the whole thing just grabbed my attention. Donald also chats about his entry into the world of law. And we went to Deacon Brodie's and we we had a drink or two. (laughs) And um, I decided, well, this seems like a perfectly reasonable way of making a living. This will yes. do for me. And his relationship with his friend, his colleague and his mentor, Joe Beltrami. A great, a great man. I, I loved him to bits. Uh, he was, as I said at his funeral, uh, he was my mentor. He was my professional colleague, but he was also my friend. All this and more, coming right up.
0: So, Donald... Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, We're just going to have a general chat about uh, all matters legal. So can I take you right back to the start? When did you first show an interest in the law?
1: It would have been
0: 1958. Yes. Would that coincide with a particular
1: trial? That would coincide with the trial of Peter Manuel.
0: Yes. Something you've had a... Very long-term interest in.
1: Yes, I've had a, not an obsession, but uh, I've had an interest that has stuck with me yeah.
0: for, a, for a long, long time. So, if you don't mind me asking, what age were you at that time? Well, I was
1: born in March of 1951, so I was what, six or seven six when or the seven. manual trial was on the go. That was, that was one of two things that uh, created my interest in the law. The other was a television programme. Okay. Uh, called Boyd QC, where the late Michael Dennison played a, an English Queen's Counsel okay. who was always on the side of the underdog and was never part of the establishment. And that appealed to me. So those were the two things that drew me to the law.
0: Yeah. So how were you picking up information about Well, in,
1: in those days, um, a case such as the Manual Trial. Was reported almost word for word in the in the newspapers. I mean, there were pages and pages on yeah. the the Mandel trial. Unlike today, where a big trial you might get a couple of yeah. columns, but uh, everything was reported, so you could follow it. Yeah, follow it in some detail.
0: And what aspect of it was it that captivated you?
1: I don't know. Just just the the whole thing about it. It was the 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 court. Um, this man charged with so many crimes. The whole thing just grabbed my attention. Um, I couldn't actually say it was because of any particular aspect. It was perhaps because I was able to follow it. It was also to some extent, because I've always been awkward. I I, I wouldn't deny that. Um, Because everybody thought it was appalling that a child should be taking an interest in the trial of a mass murder. To the extent that, that we, we used to have um, a sort of an aunt, well, she wasn't an aunt; she was a friend of the family, but she was known as Auntie, and I can't even remember the poor old dear's name. But she arrived one day to visit my grandmother, uh, and she she said at one point, "What is that the child's reading?" So my father said it was about the manual trial in Glasgow, and she fainted, just or affected to faint. Yes, um, two glasses of the the cooking sherry revived her <laughs> fairly quickly. <laughs> So that kind of thing appealed to me.
0: Yes. And were you struck in any way? As I understand it, he represented himself.
1: For much of the trial, he represented himself. Um, he started off being represented by uh, Harold Leslie, who went on to become Lord Bursley, the, the chairman of the Scottish Land Court. And Bertie Grieve was the second senior counsel. And of course, the junior was Malcolm Morrison. <laughs> who went on to become Tiger Morrison and a judge. Yes. And eventually Manuel sacked all three of them. And then Dean of Faculty, who was Jim Shaw, Lord Kilbrandon, came through and offered himself. And Manuel said, no, you can do one as well. (laughs) Um, And he then proceeded to conduct his own defence. Not assisted by Jock Cameron was the judge, because that's not the way it was. But a trial judge, if there is someone defending themselves, will do their best to keep them on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the trial judge's job to conduct the defence for them. And at times, Manuel did very well yeah. and made some very good points. He also made some terrible, terrible mistakes. Hmm. But then he'd made a lot of mistakes before he got to to that stage very in the trial. So. Very much
0: so. And um, the outcome was obviously his... Hanging? He was convicted of a number of murders. Um,
1: There was an appeal of sorts. Um, He was going to hang, so everybody appealed in those days. The appeal didn't take long, uh, but this time he was represented by R.H. MacDonald, who became Lord MacDonald in due course, and Malcolm Morrison, who was (laughs) the only one who stayed the course, uh, and then he was hanged. And do you have any thoughts on the death penalty? Now, uh, I'm totally against the death penalty. Uh, when I was younger, I took the view that there were some crimes that were so horrendous uh, that you decide, why should, they, why should we keep people alive for, for doing what they did? But I suppose the more I got into the law and the more I discovered about people who were hanged who shouldn't have been, that makes an impact on yes. me. Yes. Uh, And I really came to the view that it was, firstly, too dangerous to have a death penalty. But also in a wider context, I really came to the view that a civilised country doesn't kill its own citizens. Yeah. Um, So I I would be anti the death penalty. And it's academic, it's not going to come back. Yes, of course. Unless we all move to Texas.
0: (laughs) Keep the conversation going by following our guest on Twitter or by connecting on LinkedIn. You said you were always awkward. Mm -hmm. Were you awkward at school? Yes. (laughs) I've never
1: been very good with authority. Okay. Uh, If somebody tells me to do something that I don't agree with, I won't do it. Uh, Or I will go out of my way not to do it. Yes. Uh, Or to do it in a way that is different from the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, I have always always had a problem with authority.
0: And has that played out in your career, do you think? Uh,
1: I think if you ask authority, they would say absolutely, yes.
0: And in terms of uh, uh, academia, so were you very bright at school? Oh, uh, I didn't
1: find school particularly difficult. I didn't actually find university terribly difficult either. Yes. Um, I remember somebody did once say to me that if I had worked harder at school and at university, uh, had I ever contemplated what I might have achieved? <laughs> well, I didn't really need to. So there we are. Yeah. And how, how did you make your entrance into the world of law then? I'd like to say it was a flourish, but like everybody else said, through the back door. Okay. Um, when I was at university, uh, one of the lecturers arranged for me to come through to Edinburgh from Dundee to meet a couple of advocates that he knew. And they showed me around. And we went to Deacon Brodie's and we, got, we had a drink or two. <laughs> And um, I decided, well, this seems like a perfectly reasonable way of making a living. This will do for me. Uh But the bar was something I'd always always wanted to do. When I was at school, the the attempt was made to steer me towards medicine because that was the direction that the medicine in St. Andrew's University Mm. was kind of what the school sent its, in inverted commas, brighter pupils to. Um, Then we had a physics master who came to the school And he hated me only marginally less than I hated him. (laughs) Uh, And we fell out totally. Uh, And that was an end of my interest in science. Right. So I I, I returned to the law. (laughs) Not that I'd actually been in the law to leave it, but I returned to it. Yeah. So you went to the bar? 1975.
0: And how did you feel when you started to operate in courts? Bend people? Oh, God. It's so long ago. you start off by,
1: in those far-flung days, doing undefended divorces. And that was what we did, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And it was great fun. Yep. Because the Parliament House in those days was alive. I mean, there were hundreds of people going around Parliament House, people running in all directions. It was a great place to be, a real sense of life about it. And the thing about doing... Uh, divorces was that there was a simple rule if people came to Edinburgh for a divorce they got the divorce and if they didn't all hell that looks from the <laughs> solicitor firm who instructed it. Uh, Alan McDougall who I did my apprenticeship with and so on uh, and the late great Bill there that was the mantra you got a divorce and if you didn't oh it went on for hours the post-mortem into that. okay he even arrived at Parliament House one day and was kicking off because the pursuer's father was lying on his back in a waiting room, waiting on the ambulance coming because he seemed to have had a heart attack and Bill was furious that we hadn't got him into court to give his evidence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's a good training. Yes, that was your training. And how did you make the move into to criminal matters? You did your turn,
1: in a sense. When, when I started off at the bar... Doing crime was something that you were almost obliged to do before you got on, was the serious part of your practice, which was the civil law. Okay. So fairly quickly, you, you were just given crime to do because, well, it was just there. Somebody had to do Somebody it. Somebody had to do it. Um, well, when I began to get crime to do, of course, that was what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And eventually, I met a man called Joe Beltrami.
0: Very famous. Hey, Mr. Beltrami. And that, you thereafter, had a blossoming relationship with him and a flow of work from him. Uh, Joe and I worked together
1: for 30 years, something like that. A great a great man. I, I loved him to bits. Uh, he was, as I said at his funeral, uh, he was my mentor. He was my professional colleague, but he was also my friend. Yeah. Um, He, and another great influence on me, was in in those days, there there were solicitors in various towns who did crime. And in Dundee, it was a a man called John Bose. And Dumfries, it was a man called Bill O'Brien. Joe was the man in Glasgow. And they all played a part, because they were all very loyal, very supportive, and helped me build up the the career, but especially Joe Yeah. and it was just one of those things that we we got on in a very strange way and it would be hard to describe what the friendship was but um yeah it was quite
0: special so a solicitor counsel relationship much yes, more than it, it was
1: it was a very close friendship within the confines of being a solicitor yeah. counsel we if we went out for a meal it was to discuss the case yes um or because Joe had decided it was a good idea, we would go out and discuss the case. Yes, and Joe used to phone me up on a Saturday morning if we weren't actually consulting, just to tell me he'd been thinking about a case. And I said, "Well, thank you very much, Joe." <laughs> <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the morning. Isn't it? Yeah, but he 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 was immersed in his work. Totally, he was. Yeah. That, he he thought about the only thing Joe uh, thought about other than the law was bowling. <laughs> and that was something I could not get enthusiastic about right. uh, and the only other subject was a, a football team in the east end of Glasgow and that had even less interest <laughs> for me but you, know, he used to uh, why he had uh, to tell me in the first place that Celtic were the first club to win the European Cup first British team to win and then every other week tell me the same thing as if I might have forgotten I never quite worked that out but I loved them for
0: it and so you two were equally Immersed in your, your yeah. what, your cases. Yes, yeah. Do you buy them? You could be.
1: Uh, Joe believed in his client's innocence, and that was that. And we developed a very practical system over the years that if the client was acquitted, Joe got the credit. If the client was convicted, <laughs> I took
0: the money, um, and we made it work. Yeah, he seemed to be quite happy. <laughs> Sounds a very good arrangement from us. It wasn't perspective. And so these instructions that flowed from the various towns to you would thereafter mean you were inevitably involved in some of the most high profile cases of, of the time, even in your relatively early career. Yes, because uh, again, you
1: have to understand what it was how it was back in the, the '70s and into the '80s. People who did cry were looked down on by many of our professional colleagues, not just um in terms of judges and sheriffs and uh, advocates, but solicitors too, was oh, criminal charges. Yep. And that's how it was. And I started doing crime and then ended up doing a lot of crime. And when it came to murders, it was always senior counsel mm. who was instructed for a murder. And senior counsel would come through who really didn't do crime. Okay. Yes. And there were one or two solicitors, like Joe, um, and another now retired Glasgow solicitor, Des Finison, who was a yes. very prominent solicitor of his day. Yes. Uh, and Des was one of the first. And, and I remember him coming to me about a case where he had a senior who had pulled out, and he said, I want you to do it. I said, well, I can't because I'm doing something else. He said, I don't mean as junior, I mean as senior. senior. Yes. And the establishment wasn't terribly pleased about that either, but that was the way it was. Yes.
0: And how did you get around that? Were you, were you able to act as senior in the trial? I just,
1: just got with it. Just, just, got just, with it. Just, just did it. And if people yeah. didn't like it, then that
0: wasn't my concern. Yes. Mr Finlay, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this hey Legal podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. To hear the full CPD qualifying content, please visit haylegal.co.uk to subscribe and join our community. Or you could ask your law firm to contact us for a firm-wide subscription. Learn more, be more, with Hay Legal.